Welcome to The Magic of Positive Thinking, a podcast hosted by Norb Savanasini, founder of AmericanEagle.com, and senior content writer, Al Edwards. Norb, happy spring. Happy spring and happy day. It's the magic of being alive and, and seeing what a beautiful day it is, this present that we get every day. Absolutely. It's a gift. So, uh, never get tired it. of saying that or hearing never it. Never tired of it. It's just wonderful. Yeah. So friends, you may recognize our voices, but uh, you may be looking at your dial that you tuned into our podcast and realize that, hey, wait a minute. I thought this was the uh, People Don't Think Let's Start Today podcast, and it is. It's your old friends, Norb and Al, but we decided to, uh, as they call it today, rebrand our podcast and name it something that we felt was a little more near and dear to our hearts as how the show has evolved. So Norb, what was the idea behind uh, the magic of positive thinking? Tell us about that. Well, you know, uh, first of all, the, the site was called, uh, obviously, People Don't Think, which is uh, kind of negative, even if it's true. I think that if we look at positive thinking about being magical, uh, I think it's, it's actually much more of a realistic way to look at it because it is magical. And, and you know, we talk a lot about miracles in this uh, show and that everything's a miracle. You can even look at it that way. And again, to quote Einstein, you can look at life as nothing is a miracle or everything is a miracle. Right. But miracles are magical. So by thinking positive, I think that we can create this magic ability to look at life as, my God, look at this, look at that. And, and have a wonder about it, have a, a, a childlike wonder, which is what we all should strive for. Never lose or work on gaining that sense of wow about exactly. life. Yeah. yeah. So we thought today's episode in this special episode of our renaming of our podcast, and don't worry, everybody, all of our old podcasts are still going to be available on YouTube and wherever you get your local podcasts. So nothing's going away, but we just thought it would be fun to... Uh, kind of change up the title a little bit. With that said, we're going to actually talk about does positive thinking actually work? And we're going to define the word work because I think there's a lot of myths that if you just sit on your keister all day and think good things that all kinds of good things are going to happen. And I think there's also a myth that positive people don't get down or discouraged or depressed and nothing could be further from the truth. Our whole point is that if you stay on the positive road, you're going to be so much better in life. And I always bring up the flat tire analogy that you love, Norb, right? You get a flat tire, you pull over, it's a bummer, you change a tire, you get back on the highway, and everything's okay. Absolutely. And, and again, uh, that sitting goes back to also the secret of success is to remember that Spanish painter Goya, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, get off your, and it's not ankle. Uh, and, <laughs> or and basically uh, that's the first step in, in, uh, actually, you know, having a good life, uh, being successful in whatever you do in life. Absolutely. So let's start out friends by defining what actually is positive thinking. And I really like this because I think there's a lot of confusion about it. What do you think about this, Norb? Positive thinking does not mean you stick your head in the sand or view the world through rose-colored glasses. 
positive thinking encompasses the mental attitude of optimism, which searches for favorable outcomes in all situations. It relies on the emotional state of hope, which looks past current circumstances and supports the building of emotional, social, and other resources for positive action. I think that's a great definition. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because, again, we always say this, Al and I never know what we're going to talk about. And, and I had some ideas that really, it's incredible how it fits into this. And, and the one person that I wanted to talk about today, which actually fits into what Al just said, is J. Paul Getty. And I don't know if uh, many people today know about J. Paul Getty. But J. Paul Getty was at one time the richest man in the world, and he didn't start as a wealthy man at all. Uh, he actually was an oil magnet. Mm -hmm. The interesting part about J. Paul Getty is that, first of all, uh, one of the things that, that it impressed me a lot about the gentleman is that even after he became very wealthy, he had a, a situation where he was in a motel in Texas at one time. And the way he describes it is that it was 2 a.m. and he reached for his cigarettes and they were gone. He didn't have any more. And there was a torrential rain in Texas. And he describes this that he's been all over the world and he's never seen rains like in Texas when they get these incredible rains. And he says he got in his car at 2 a.m. looking for a place that was open that sold cigarettes. And all of a sudden he said, my God, here I am, the richest man in the world, and I'm owned by a cigarette. Wow. So at that moment he decided to quit smoking, come back to his motel, and he never touched a cigarette again. Wow, how about that? Which goes back to you know, the original title, People Don't Think. He thought that he didn't want to be controlled by the cigarette. That's number one. I think that we all have these situations that we have to identify. What is the one thing that owns us that is not good for us? Why is it that we're allowing something like that to control our thought or our actions? That's number one. Now, the other lesson about J. Paul Getty, which is really interesting, is that how he made his money. He didn't have much. But he observed that, you know, in, in Texas especially, this is where he, he started his oil business, mm -hmm. there were a lot of people that would hire these very, very knowledgeable and with incredible reputation geologists that would identify the areas where the oil would be under the ground. Now, of course, they weren't infallible, but obviously they really knew what they were doing. And then the people that hired these people also raised a amount of money. And let's say it was $100,000 just to have a, a figure. So they would go to the place where the geologist identified as having oil underneath, and they would drill until the $100,000 was gone. Mm -hmm. And then they would leave that spot. Now, J. Paul Getty's whole approach was just to dig a little deeper. And uh, it's been recorded that he hit two feet after the drilling a few times. Wow. And it just gives you a great lesson in life that you shouldn't quit 
which is also a sign of, of being positive. He knew uh, that it was logical that there would be oil there because the people that said there would be oil were very well versed. And he also knew that you shouldn't quit in life. You should just keep drilling, even if, of course, it's easy to say, well, you know, they spent $100,000. Well, you know, they, they should have maybe made a deal with J. Paul Getty right. and said, look, I know you're going to keep drilling, so let's split this or yeah, give right, 25% exactly. because he had to actually get the contract to keep drilling for this. So I think it's a great lesson to, to know that, uh, first of all, you have to control your mind, see what really controls you. And uh, again, it's just it goes back to keeping, you know, people that are pessimistic away from you right and and uh, it doesn't have to actually be people it could be cigarettes it could be alcohol it could be drugs it could be uh, many many things so the power of the mind is to say i'm not going to do that anymore because it's not good for me i love that i love that there was a cartoon i saw years ago i wish i could find it it was a you know a cartoon in a magazine there was a fella he had a a mining pick, you know, those big picks that sure. look like hammers, but they're big. And he's under, he's under the ground and he's knocking at the rock, just knocking and knocking day after day. And the first picture of the cartoon shows him just going at it. And there's about five feet of wall still. And he's just dedicated. He's nothing's going to stop him and all that kind of stuff. And the second one is the same scene, except the wall that he had whittled down to was literally about an inch thick. And he decides to leave because he can't take it anymore. And I never forgot that image that he does all that work and he's an inch from breaking through and he just walks away. And, and you know, that's very, very interesting that uh, this is so common in life. We tend to give up before we really reach our goal, which is one of the, uh, one of the things about the strangest secret is that you should have some kind of a goal and right. just go for it right. and, and don't let your mind beat you. Uh, like, uh, you know, the guys who stopped drilling for oil or, or this guy with, with a rock, which, you know, I, I think I've seen that cartoon and it is, it is true. It's true. Yeah. I'd love to find that somehow and put it in my office. I really love that. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about so many guys on this podcast, Nor, but one of them, of course, is Henry Ford. And... I just cannot get over the power of one of his most famous quotes. And he said, people don't fail. They just stop trying. And my God, if you really sit down and think about that, it is about the most powerful thing you ever need to know about life. Well, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is that I don't know who said it, and, and we have to do some research on this, but one of the most common traits of humans is that they overcomplicate things. Right. You know, one of the, uh, I was just listening to a, a few things like Al and I always listening to positive guys that have been there for, you know, some, some of them 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah. But we, we like it because it reinforces our thought pattern, which is I, something I recommend to everybody. There was a, a really, really famous guy that was on PBS for many years, and, and uh, we mentioned him before, Leo Buscaglia. He was just a phenomenal guy, had a, had a uh, class on love and, and how, how you should love people and, and be happy and, 
he used to say, we, we all have experiences that we should be happy about. He says, if you have an experience, just look at it as, my God, what an experience. And, and he talked about things about on, in the fall, he would see tree leaves in piles and he would just fall on those pile of leaves and say, God, what a feeling. And it says, I pity anybody who, who hasn't had that feeling, you know. You should enjoy things in life like that. But one of the things he said, which is very, very important, is that, that you have to realize what's important in life and be able to say, you know, that's important and that isn't important because we dwell on a lot of unimportant, meaningless things in life. You know, just, just look at, is, is that really important? You know, you get mad at, at somebody because they don't put their turn light on and, and you get mad, you say, oh, that idiot didn't put his turn light on. It's really not that important, just ignore right. it and, <clears throat> and uh, you know, just be more careful. Don't get obsessed with things that are not really important. I, I think that makes a big difference in life. I love that. There's an expression they say, don't get bedazzled by the urgent or don't get caught up into the urgent, but get caught up into what's important. The other thing is what's essential in life and non-essential. And things that are essential, like eating well, let's say, uh, are important. Mm -hmm. and, and things that are not essential, like what color socks you're wearing, <laughs> you know, just don't worry about it. Right. And, and just have that ability to tell the difference. Okay. A absolutely. And friends, you know, we mentioned a lot of different people on this show, and we're very proud. One of the most things we're proud of is that people who never knew who Earl Nightingale was or Zig Ziglar or Leo Biscaglia now know. So if you ever want to check out Leo Biscaglia, he was a beautiful man. He really was. He, as Norb said, he was all about love and living life and doing what's important. And there's a million YouTube videos on him. The other thing I want to mention is that I was just listening to Earl Nightingale this morning uh, in my car. In addition to The Strangest Secret, which is our great recording, he put out something called Lead the Field, which originally was a six cassette tape uh, seminar on basically expanding on all the topics that he talked about. So it went from cassette, then it went to CD, and I had the cassette, and I had the CD, and now I have it on Audible on my phone. And I was just listening to Lead the Field, which is about 12 chapters of him talking about all these different things. So if you really want to dig more into this, I recommend Lead the Field. It's available on Audible. You can get it anywhere pretty much. So that's our old buddy, Earl Nightingale, still at it. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, one of the things is that a lot of people talk about success stories and a lot of people unluckily feel that I'm not that type of a person. I, I just couldn't do this. And this is a defeatist attitude that I think is very, very common today. And this is why we have uh, so much so-called depression and anxiety. Uh, I, I was reading an article the other day that, you know, the amount of depression and anxiety that young people identify with is just a ridiculous figure, almost approximating like 50%, which is nuts. And, and I'm going to give you two examples that happened this week. And I think I mentioned uh, uh, one, one young man that I know uh, before, but 
I met him recently, and uh, this is a this is a young man who really went through a lot. I mean, he unluckily, you know, became friends with with the wrong crowd, and and he at that time didn't realize it, and uh, they they had a, a big problem with drinking, and uh, mm-hmm. part of his life became drinking, and uh, he drank and drank and. Uh, he never got trouble with the law, but he did get trouble with driving, and he got caught with, uh, uh, you know, driving under the influence, and and uh, had a lot of problems with that, and and it got to the point where his drinking became life threatening, and to the point that he actually wrote to his family and told them that you know he had such damage uh, that uh, he wasn't expected to live. Wow, and that was like five years ago. And at that time, uh, he actually decided that he wasn't going to drink anymore, and that he, whatever time he had left, uh, he was just going to be, you know, doing the right thing, and and uh, had a family, and and devoted his life to his family. Amazingly enough, this has been I don't know many many years, five six, and and. Uh, He's just a phenomenal young guy now, and and uh, he just decided that he wasn't going to continue doing this thing that was harming him, which is just phenomenal, you know. And, and whoever's listening and, and they're going through it, this type of period, just make up your mind that you're not going to do this anymore. Identify what's hurting you. Just don't do it. You know, going back to Paul Getty, uh, he just thought, my God, this cigarettes owns me. I'm not going to let it. Right. And, you know, he wasn't, he was alone. This is the most interesting part about it. He he was in a motel alone. He didn't have family around him or anything like that. (laughs) And uh, a very interesting guy, Uh, uh, very thrifty, by the way. Uh, he had one of the biggest homes in England when he was alive. And one of the things that bothered him is that he would invite very wealthy people there, very influential, and they would use his phone to make long-distance calls. <laughs> so he got so upset about that that he installed a pay phone oh my gosh. in this mansion so people would not abuse his... <laughs> goodness so that made him happy and and you know uh, I, i'm not saying you should do that I, obviously today with a f- incredible advancement in phones you can make a phone call for nothing right you know all over the world so <laughs> but it, it's kind of interesting that is so funny i remember i was just saying this the other day i remember a time <laughs> if you wanted to get off the phone with somebody <laughs> you would say I've got a call coming in long distance. <laughs> and if you were talking long distance, everything else in your world had to stop. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that concept today is so ridiculous. Like you just said, that doesn't exist anymore. You can call anywhere in the world for pennies. Well, you know, this is kind of interesting that we uh, we talked about the phone because I, I just thought about this, which is interesting. But, you know, we have become so so much of a slave to that phone today yeah. that you talk about something to get rid of. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get rid of your phone. I, I mean, I, I obviously, uh, you know, I have one and, and it also, but I think that 
it, it might not be a bad thing to just turn it off once in a while and just forget it because you go to restaurants and everybody's on that phone, kids, adults, and and God, you talk about something that owns you. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. And I think that probably is just as bad as anything that has ever, ever existed, ever, which is kind of a, I try to do it really. But uh, yeah, when going back to Jake Paul Getty at that time, making a long distance call was was really a lot of work. I mean, it was right. uh, for, for you people that, that, you know, are not old and, and uh, if you, you traveled outside of the United States, they used to have actually places where you'd go. And these were big places with multiple booths, sometimes like a hundred booths. Mm -hmm. And they had a central person who would decide who gets the next phone ability to make a long distance call. And, and it was an ordeal. It was, and it was expensive as all get out. That's how I used to make a long distance call. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, that's another thing we have to be happy about, all the improvements that have happened in our life to make our lives easier. But of course, by making it easier, it also puts a burden on you because, you know, if today, you know, if somebody doesn't call you back within five minutes, you're just upset. Bent out of shape. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole idea of, of uh, your phone, uh, looking at your phone versus living life, living uh, the experience of life. I'll never forget this. I saw a photograph. There was a group of people and they were all clearly looking at something exciting going on. And every one of them had their phone out they were taking a picture or filming this event and there was 20 people in this photo and everyone had their phone and they, you could see their phone being held. In the corner of the picture, there was an older lady and she was very peacefully smiling and actually looking at the <laughs> event and experiencing it rather than trying to capture it on her phone. And I felt that that moment was very poignant because it showed the difference between actually experiencing life and taking something in and having to record it on your phone and be crazy and all that other kind of stuff. And it was really a powerful image for me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, the analogy. I just thought about another analogy. It, it's, it's almost like food. You know, you see people in this country, and, and obviously you can read about it, that the, uh, the obesity problem is just uh, horrendous. Obesity is widespread. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and you know what, what's interesting is that whenever you have all these pictures in your phone, and you know, it's, it's funny because somebody is always trying to have me look at a picture they had about something, and they have to scroll through these thousands oh. of pictures on the phone, and most of the time they can't even find it, okay? Right. <laughs> because there's so much of it. And when you look at the analogy with food, you, you see this obesity. It's hard today not to eat right. because, you know, we're blessed with having such plentiful food, which 100 years ago, this doesn't exist. People today, they just don't realize that you go to a supermarket and there's all this food. And, and you know, I was foreign born when I came to this country. Uh, the one thing my parents did when somebody came over from another country is take them to a grocery store to show all the food that was in America. 
But that was a, an incredible novelty for people to oh, see. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, because yeah. that didn't exist. Right. It didn't exist. You know, right. you, you went to a, and I remember being a kid and, and going, you know, not in this country to, to different shops for the vegetable and different shops for the meat. And, and uh, it, it was a chore. I mean, and, and usually it was done by, you know, the, the wife, the ladies. And going shopping on a daily basis was work because you had to go and you didn't have frozen foods. So, you know, they had to be by every day. And the yeah. bread, you had to go to the bread store. And, and this was planning for the meal was a big, big job. Today, uh, nobody does that. I mean, well, I'm sure some people do, but, you know, it's, it's right. just not a common thing. Right. So having too much and having the ability to control your mind to not abuse that quantity of whatever you might have is also something that, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you have to think about, you know? Yeah. And I want to go back to your friend that you were talking about who found himself, uh, you know, immersed in alcoholism and what he was doing to his life. And you said something very important and that is he made a decision, a decision to change his life. And I have a little bit of personal experience in that, uh, as Norb knows, I was very, very heavy for most of my life, and I got or fat, Al, or fat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like to say heavy, but uh, <laughs> fat is the operative word. Uh, and it got to the point in my fifties that I was actually in really bad trouble health-wise. I was really because youth was, you know, evading me, and some very bad things were starting to happen to me health-wise. And a number of years ago, I made a decision, and that's the key—a decision that I no longer wanted to live that way. And I always talk about it, and I'm sure your friend could relate to this, when the emotional pain of living a certain way was more than my willingness to change, it finally happened. And I always wanna say, people can decide one day at a time to change their lives. And I wound up losing uh, over 40 pounds. I t completely turned my metabolic numbers all around. I started running when I was 55 years old. I ran over 100 miles last year. I never used to run anywhere before. I used to run to Portillo. It's a local hot dog place. That's where I would usually run if a new <laughs> Portillo's opened. The only problem with running is I ran 100 miles last year, but no one told me I should go back. So it turns out I was 100 miles away <laughs> yeah, from home. Right. <laughs> But all kidding aside, my point is, friends, is that this, this gentleman that Norbert's talking about and also in my own life, if you decide one day at a time, and there's power in doing something one day at a time, they say that minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and months turn into years. And next thing you know, you've got the life that you want. Yeah, uh, and you know, it, it's... It's hard. Don't think for one minute that these are easy decisions. I mean, uh, and I, I've known Al all my life, and, and truthfully, uh, I used to tell him, my God, you know, Al, you better watch it, because uh, obviously his love for food was, was a problem, and just like the phone is a problem. I mean, people are, are just immersed with this thing about having to look at that phone continuously. So, uh, you know, I, I was driving uh, uh, this weekend. I, I drove quite a bit 
and there was a lady driving a huge SUV, one of the real big ones, and she was doing 80 miles an hour, and I know because I, I was next to her, <laughs> uh, on the phone. She was on the phone and holding it out, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, my God, uh, you know, if this lady would have an accident or, or something in front of her would happen, and you don't know, how much you travel going 80 miles an hour, you know, per second. Right. It's just a, this woman could have called, hurt herself, uh, people in the car if she had any, I didn't see, and, and other people. Right. Because she had to look at something in that phone. And, and uh, you know, when we talk about the miracle of positive thinking, the magic of positive thinking is that when you actually make a choice of, not to do that anymore. I mean, when you have your phone in the car, don't look at that phone. You know, most phones today are are equipped for Bluetooth anyway in your car. You don't even have to look at your phone right. if you want to make a call. You just say, call, you know, Georgia, or, or, or the phone will be there. So right. you, don't, you don't even have to look at it. But, uh, you know, what does this have to do with magic of positive mental attitude? Well, the magic is that if you don't look at the phone, you can enjoy the view like this lady that Al was talking about. And my God, you keep that in your brain, which is also has an incredible amount of photographic memory. Instead of having to look through thousands of irrelevant and, and ridiculous photographs you take today in excess. So Absolutely. Yeah. I always like to end the show with one thing you said kind of off the cuff a few shows ago. And, you know, we talked about today, does positive thinking work? And there's a lot of studies that's, that actually show it does work. It reduces anxiety. It, it improves your metabolism. It improves your immune system. It helps uh, minimize depression, things of that nature. But I want to leave everyone with this thought that Norb said a few shows ago. Does positive thinking work? Yes, it does. Optimism works. But what's the alternative? <laughs> exactly. What's the alternative to positive thinking? And the alternative, friends, is being miserable. Yes, exactly. And everything else that goes wrong with being miserable. So work on optimism. Work on positivity. Make a decision one day at a time to change your life. And I think we're all going to be much better off. Yeah, because, uh, you know, again, and I'm glad I, I mentioned it and, and Al liked it. Uh, a few things he likes. No, <laughs> Once but, in a while, I like things Forbes says. But. No, I mean, honest, I mean, what is the alternative? What is the alternative? I mean, just be happy. You know, if you feel depressed or something like that, go out and look at a little bird. I think we said this in, in like the third podcast we did. And, and I was looking at a little bird this week again. And they're just amazing little things. They have a digestive system and a heart. And, and I mean, my God, you know, what a miracle. And, and uh, I just hope if anybody gets something out of this, a few people, Al and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be very happy we do this because uh, it, it, really, it really works. You think positive and, and good things will happen. And I want to say one thing, which is probably just as important as anything else. It's a proven scientific fact that people who think positive live four years more than right. people who don't. So why the heck don't do it? Right. 
Yeah. And we also said that people, the same thing is for exercise. People who exercise <laughs> live four years longer. So you said one time, just think positively. It's a lot easier than exercising. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to buy a you special ex outfit. Exercise your brain right. to be positive. The rest of the body will apply the same <laughs> happiness to itself as if you exercise. You don't even need an, a special outfit to think positive like no, you do to exercise. No, 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 You're saving money, friend, right there. <laughs> well, we hope that you have followed us on our... Uh, tangents that we did today uh we always tend to do a little bit of a stream of consciousness a lot of people tell us that they enjoy it we hope you enjoyed this show and uh just go out there and decide what you want to do with your life one day at a time think optimistically and i'm willing to bet that you're going to get where you want to be one day at a time so norb thank you as always and, and, and thank you Al. and just do three things today that will make you happy. Pick up that little piece of paper, say hello to somebody, uh, have a good day, you know, little things, three things. And, and believe me, it'll, it'll make you feel better. I'll never forget a sign in your office. It's a smile. It's contagious. Absolutely. So, yeah. Norb, thank you. Well, friends, we'll see you next time. This is Al Edwards for Norb Savanasini and have a great day and we'll see you on our next show. Thank you.